You're listening to the EA Action Ears podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wallace, and we're joined with the EA community team, and we have... Dan Benden. Richard Burley. Martin Littlewood. Ryan Sandry. We've also got two special guests, EA Action Man, who brought us out here. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I also bring news of exciting things. So we've got competition details, which will be coming later on. We're also joined by Mike Reed, who's going to bring a little uh, knowledge to the podcast. He's the executive producer of Crisis 3. Thanks. Right. How much knowledge? Are you expecting, but we'll have to see what happens. More than we've provided in the last four days, for sure. I'm Chris Priestley, BioWare's Community Specialist, and when I'm looking to relax, I listen to the Action Ears podcast. So we'll run through what we saw today. So we all got a chance to play Need for Speed Most Wanted, um, and what was everyone's take on it? What did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. One could expect to see good things in there from the background of uh, the people involved in developing it, but um, I was more impressed than I thought I would be, purely because they've combined, I think, the best of the previous uh, parts of the franchise into one product that, that really delivers on all of the things in terms of the looks, in terms of the performance, in terms of the vehicles, in terms of the game modes, in terms of the feel of the speed, etc. So I thought it was excellent. Personally, I really liked the game. Um, I thought I'd had enough of open world burnout slash need for speed games. I played a lot of Burnout Paradise and I really loved it, but I'd had enough of it. I had my fill of it, but playing it again, I sort of I think, I think I'm ready for more. Mm. I think it's uh, it's it's different enough, and um, but also familiar enough to like that old spark. I think. You got a little bit annoyed with me, Rich, when we were <laughs> when we were racing. This is brilliant. I, I, I wouldn't want to isolate it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see why you have to disengage the rules of, of gentlemanly sport just because you're in a, in a game. And because you're allowed to in the game, I don't see a problem with it. We so score by. You know, not allowing you to. You out. <laughs> no, exactly. but this was before the race had even begun. This is <laughs> yeah, just purely gratuitous. Yeah. When you get into the multiplayer mode, you have to go to a meeting point and wait at the meeting point for everyone to turn up. Whilst you're waiting, there's no rules on who you can and can't smash into. So, <laughs> and and you score in terms of speed points. You score fifty points for taking someone down. So. Rich turned up first, and I dutifully turned up a close second and smashed into the side. You also, at the end of the race, I noticed, uh, once you'd finished and, and got your points, turned round and ran back through the track mm-hmm. yeah. to take us out. To take, and the, the, you took out the, the last three people to finish. We weren't getting any I, points as it was. I just felt that if you, when you get to the start of the particular event, that's an opportunity for everybody to exchange you know, pleasantries and wish everybody <laughs> the best of luck. <laughs> and at um, the end, insurance details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did exchange but, but, pleasantries and paint. But I did try and... I was about to, you know, met- metaphorically get out of my car and come over to you to shake your hand, and you just T-boned me into a tree. <laughs> so, um, but you know, fine, I accept that. I-, I understood what was happening at that point, and I completely smashed everyone. So I am, I am the most wanted. And you are physically wearing the shirt right now that says that. You see, you, you brought yourself back now. The other day you weren't, and we sent you out there with a mission to get a T-shirt by coming first <laughs> in something, and we've done it. So everyone's a winner now. This is great. I'm Jessica Marzen, Bioware Community and New Media Manager, and I listen to the Actioneers podcast. It's nice background music when I am doing some interspecies Katy Perry, Russell Brand werewolf, Sims mating. Battlefield 3, Armored Kill. 
I've been looking forward to this one all week. Can, can I just ask before, um, is it armoured kill with a U? It isn't, is it? Uh, no. No, just checking. It's no. just wrong spelling. Just for when we're searching for things, you know. Just can, I, can I just say that the quad bikes are the most fun you've ever done? <laughs> I, no, I disagree. I jumped on a quad bike, drove straight into a shed and exploded. <laughs> I saw, no, I saw Dan do... fun? I'm right. not a very good PC gamer, I saw, I saw Dan on a frozen lake, you know, doing some sculpture, <laughs> you know, dancing. It was very beautiful to watch. It was mainly just eights, but that was about it. I did, I did try this one where I um, projected myself off a cliff face and I wanted to do, you know, see those amazing videos that the guys do on YouTube where they like jump out of a plane and then take out another plane with a rocket launcher and jump back in and then I was trying to recreate that on a quad bike so I <laughs> came flying off um, the side of a cliff, pressed E to get out, tried to do my parachute and the, pressed the wrong button and went straight forward into a cliff face and the nice little sign bad luck appeared <laughs> bad luck <laughs> and somehow after witnessing that he still managed to convince me to have a go as well just straight off the cliff it's great. <laughs> you enjoy it <laughs> yeah just sort of watched the went well it didn't look that that's, bad that's in the little wood also known as lemming but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, thing, the, thing I, the thing I most like about quad bikes is that as the passenger on a quad bike you're entirely beholden to the skill of your driver because you're sitting facing backwards in an unarmoured vehicle we had a discussion so, uh, on that there, there's a guy coming up on the right, yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. on your right, right? on my, my right. right, and you're like, well, you're on the back of my bike, but I'm facing backwards on the back <laughs> of your bike. So if it's on your right, oh, we've gone past it. As you can imagine, we didn't manage to take him down. <laughs> I actually started that map with my normal. I'm not a good battlefield player. I am a battlefield player, just not a very good one. And started the map with my usual sprinting down the road because I'm not very good in vehicles. And for a good long while, until I realised we were playing Armored Kill and that the map would be gigantic. Absolutely massive. Yeah. And then uh, and I was never going to get anywhere. So I had to you, then you, sprint all the way back and find whatever vehicle was yeah. left, which happened what, to be some sort of flying vehicle that I then crashed. Having watched the Olympics, you were looking for the guy holding out the bottle of water. <laughs> I must confess I haven't played Battlefield 3 that much, but we had a fantastic session in uh, Tank, and it was me, Rich, and Dan me. in the Tank. And we were really quite successful. Why was that? Was that just because you were driving, Rich, and you? It's because everyone else was driving quad bikes off of cliffs. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people were trying to destroy our tank with their quad bikes, and that wasn't going so well for them. I did try and take you out with a rocket launcher, and then um, kind of blew myself up with a rocket launcher at the same time. How generous! <laughs> yes. Well, in the interest of testing the engine, right? Yeah, you never know. No, yeah, we, I think. Um, People were, I was kind of in, you know, I get into Battlefield, I spawn and that's it, I'm in Battlefield mode, so I wasn't in the mood to sort of drive through the forest gently. But uh, also people do seem intent on, I'm not sure where this habit comes from, but people will turn up in a tank and then all bail out when they get near the flag. That's the time when you most want to be inside well, the tank, I was you will get grenades. I did that several times, but it was only because there was someone who had died next to the tank where we parked up right. and I thought what I'd do is get out and heal him. But I would get out and get shot, obviously, but and then there's two people laying outside and we didn't have another bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to give him a cuddle. <laughs> but, but, I, but, but I think taking on the point of, uh, of the enjoyment of Armored Kill, I think that one of the things I most enjoyed was just the extra availability of vehicles. There were vehicles everywhere of all different mm. types, so you were never too far away. It wasn't wait four minutes for the tank to respawn. There were, I think in our spawning area, there were three straight off the yeah, bat. So you, know, you and a couple of buddies could just charge up the hill in a full sort of Well, that, that's the big thing about the vehicles as well, especially with the quad bikes. I use them just to get around because it is so steep because it's kind of like a snowy Alps map that we were playing on. We played on it both times that we went through it. And running up the hill, not noticeably different with the sprinting speed, but it definitely helped you get from probably the A point, which was at the centre. Mm. Everyone would grab those two around their initial base and then they'd rush for the 
for the top of the mountain, which is kind of cool because it, it sort of became like a physical King of the Hill type match as well. Because, yeah, because both teams were coming up the other side of the mountain, they'd yeah. be right at the top. Right so even the with all these vehicles, everybody would crest at the same time and just have these tanks flying past each other over the top of the hill. But yeah, really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. I think the extra vehicles are going to bring that variety where it's not just, oh, here comes a tank. It's which type of tank vehicle is it or which type of you know mobile vehicle is it? And you're going to have to deal with that in a different way. So it's going to, people are going to have to think a little bit more about the vehicles and not just assume the normal tactics. So it's going to add variety, which I think is going to be brilliant. And that... That epic scale as well is something that I don't think any other game gets anywhere near. You know, that sense of, okay, there's something happening over there. I'm, I better hope there's a helicopter or an ATV you know, because I'm going to be, otherwise I'm going to be 12 minutes to get there. So. I think I'm going to have to practice with the vehicles. I think uh, I'm rent myself a server and play on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Just to <laughs> learn how to drive a tank be properly. the saddest Battlefield 3 player. Top of the table every time. Always <laughs> win. So that's Battlefield 3 Armoured Kill. If you want to get Armoured Kill, you will need Battlefield 3 to be able to play it. It's a DLC pack and it's available on the 11th of September. Or, and you can get on the premium, Battlefield 3 premium. Which is what I have, and you get it obviously it's a lot It's earlier. available from the 4th of September for um, PS3 premium members, and on the 11th of September for Xbox 360 for everyone else. and PC. There we go, that's why Dan's in the room. I'm Guy Cockerlow from GameSpot.com, and whenever I'm slumming it, I like to record stings for the Action Ears podcast. So it's time to talk to Mike about mm -hmm. Crisis and, and Crytek. We have been waxing lyrical, having played Crisis 3, Hunter Mode, <coughs> and having played a bit of the single player as well, the demo that you've given and us. And Crash Site. And Crash Site. And we're, well, I mean, listen back to the podcast, we're all pretty impressed with what you've managed to do with Crisis 3. It's looking great. And you talked to Rasmus, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah, we've, we've got yeah, an interview yeah, with him that's going up as a in video format. Yeah. And if you are into the whole Crisis thing, which you should be, definitely check out that interview. Um, very cool. And also I recommend the Hunter trailer. I think that Hunter trailer is absolutely outstanding for a trailer. Because trailers are, are great at selling an idea to someone, but often the reality of... The gameplay is not really represented in the trailer. But the way that the match plays out in the trailer for Hunter Mode is extremely similar mm. to how ours played yeah. out, apart from... And we went back and forth with that when we were creating the trailer. We went to, you know, do we do a standard multiplayer type trailer? Yeah. Mm. But it was always coming back to Hunter. and mm. But Hunter was a real challenge in that the nanosuits cloaked all the time. It's like, <laughs> how, do we, how do we do this? <laughs> But the, we had an underlying theme, which was the word tension, and we were like, okay, we need to play off this tension and build that up to the point, and uh, really having the underlying story in Hunter of a VTOL getting shot down, a nanosuit, a guy, two guys in a nanosuit on the ground, and then having this whole viral thing that just grows out mm. and out. And, uh, you know, it was really outside of the box from, from what, uh, what Crytek has done in the past mm. and, and what EA has done in the past as well. And mm. I think we really hit a mark with that. And then when you actually come in and play the game, you get that same kind of feeling. Even though it doesn't play out exactly like it does in the trailer, but it's, uh, it's really the, the emotion that we wanted it, to It was back. quite a lot like our match, actually, apart from I didn't get killed by a car at the end. I actually won. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you could get killed by a car at the end. I yes. haven't actually seen that happen yet, but it so is possible. I think three or four of our rounds were down to the last second yeah it, it comes it's very close as the way it ends yeah. I was killed as the last cell in two rounds with one and what appeared to be zero seconds on the timer at the time when I was killed but it makes you wonder as well is it, were they waiting for you and just teasing you to think yeah he thinks he's going to get it and take you out or was it just you know potluck that they were there so no, I think I'm that guy that gets all shaky <laughs> 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 
I can't miss this one. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking when I was playing it from a development point of view, how much, mm. in terms of the length of those matches, as part of the development cycle, have you have you played with the length? I mean, it's two minutes at the moment, and have you tried like ten minute matches? And just yeah. Like, so this doesn't work. depending on the like, the maps are going to be all various sizes. That's about probably I, I, the lead game designer puts it. A, in terms of a 1 to 10, in terms of size, he puts it like a 6, 7. So mm -hmm. there's going to be some larger maps. And of course, with larger maps, going to be some different balancing. So there's likely going to be longer times in some of the mm -hmm. modes. Mm -hmm. But I think two minutes is really what the yeah. base is going to be for probably mid to, uh, or a small to mid-sized mm -hmm. maps. And then the larger ones may go up to three minutes. And I think I think and I think that timing is absolutely key because as you said it and as you said from the trailer that that game mode is about tension. Mm. Never have I been shot in the face with a shotgun by a teammate so often <laughs> whilst coming around the corner in the game mode. Mm -hmm. uh, shoot everything that moves. But so, the yeah. the other thing that I was impressed with and looking looking at the trailer, I thought okay, when you're playing a cell, it's going to be quite tense because it's it's ramped up against you. When I was playing as a hunter. My heart was in my mouth the whole time as well. Still, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I, it's really, really tense every second of the game, and it's because you have such a short time limit. Mm -hmm. you're, yeah, as a hunter, you're petrified that because you don't have to worry so much about getting killed. It's that, it's that clock ticking down against you, and you're really, really feeling that, especially at the beginning, because it seemed to always be kind of exponential. You'd have a little bit of time to pick off the first one or two. And then as the numbers shifted towards the hunter side, you began to gain a bit of momentum. But at this point, you've got no, you know, your clock is really running down. So that, you know, that, that's, that, the, the timing and the number of people and the, and the weapons that each kind of team has uh, balanced against the time that's allowed in the level, it seems to be absolutely spot on. Because we played, I think, five or ten? It was five, um, I think. Yeah, and, and every single one, as you said, there was no one, none of us sitting around with 20 seconds to go. I don't think any game came closer than about... So it came further, sorry, than about four seconds, three seconds to go. It was, it was bang on. But major props, and you need to send this back to the development guys as well, for uh, pulling arrows out of bodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's the part that we well, were Well, I explained about. to you the other day, you change that draw weight and you can pin them up. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can, or, you or can lead, pin yeah. them to the wall and then pull, yeah, pull and then the arrow out and they will drop off the wall. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God, I'm so trying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fun with you can have with the bow. I mean, a lot of the questions we get from the press are... And, and from people outside of that. So is the bow just specifically for being used while cloaked? And that, while that was the original intent of it, and of course it has bonuses that you can fire it while cloaked and not take huge penalties to your energy bar, but we've seen people using it in all sorts of ways, from using it in cloaked scenarios to using it in, uh, you know, uh, snipe for sniping and, and in some cases using it in, in a combination of like action sequences, using armor and jumping over logs and like mm. shooting airburst arrows into mm. guys and lots of, lots of different combinations that have been in there. So it's really not just tied to cloaking or stealth gameplay. And I, and I think to me in the single player that we played, it's, it's the, there's, I think there's a lot of improvements on, on what was already a brilliant visual experience. But I think it's the bow that really makes, it's kind of game changing. It gives you a whole set of options in terms of how you play that kind of almost wasn't available before. So you've still got the brilliant kind of invisible, strong run and gun and, and, uh, and that stuff. But the bow really gives you a sort of a cerebral level almost to it where you can yeah. run and line. Well, you've got, yeah, you, can, you can stealth run the game. And kill everyone as well. Yeah, quite well. Quite you can, but that ties into some other things. I mean, with yeah. the AI system in Crisis One and Crisis Two, it was very. I, I don't want to use a nasty word here, mm -hmm. but it was it was not stupid, but it was not the most. It was basic. It, it wasn't the most intelligent. Yeah. So there was basically two levels. Either mm -hmm. they were in a you know relaxed kind of patrol mode, or they were full out 
you know, I'm attacking you or mm-hmm. I'm running from you. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do in the system currently is create multiple levels of AI states mm-hmm. so that the AIs will react in, in a series of different ways up to being fully alert and on the attack. Um, but we also want you to be able to go in and use the cloak to play mind games with the AI as well. I did that. Second time I ran through it, I went for the more stealthy mode. And you, you can hear them saying, oh, I heard something over here, or where did he go? And they're like questioning, and you can hear the panic in but the that's, as well. And that's just the beginning of it, of what we showed in there, but we're actually taking that even further. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so we're trying to, t- we're trying to take a lot of that, ooh, excuse me, we're, letting, we're trying to take that even further by creating these multiple levels. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to give the AI is things like you saw in Hunter with EMP grenades, for instance. Mm-hmm. So EMP grenades, the, if they think, oh, he's in a general area, they're in a panic, maybe they'll be shooting in numerous directions, they'll throw an EMP grenade and you know that's that's, uh, that's cool. how they'll kind of flesh you out but we want them also to work more as teams like you heard in there where they're calling back and forth and that's just the beginning of what we're working on and what, mm. we, what we hope to have in the final version of the game I'd really like to see them aware of how many squad mates they've lost and their panic rise as there's less and less of them <laughs> and so be what happened to Dave and then what happened to Dave I mean, an interesting piece for the telemetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of got that impression to an extent because they, even in this build that we played, they do, initially they're kind of calm and then they become, um, they seem to become aware that you're there and they start targeting you. And if they start going down, they did seem to start sort of hiding and <laughs> I'm going to run away now and that sort of stuff. So there's, I think there's going to be that variety in there um, from, from what I've seen already. And obviously, you're, I think those exciting plans will be nice because the intelligence of your opposition kind of defines how immersed and how real you think that threat is. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see those. I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see how that plays out. In this and that's where we're taking it into, to yeah. combine a lot of aspects from even the story side mm. too, which we haven't had a lot of depth in before. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the fiction that's been created, we're, we're really digging into this a lot deeper. Mm. And then to further the AI, like in some games they'll have, okay, they have to, the, the designers have to place an AI down, say, you can't leave this area, but you can hide here, 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 here. You can react in such a way. And what we've done in the CryEngine is, um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but there's a mesh that basically the designers create the map, mm-hmm. then a mesh comes down, and they can tweak this mesh. And what you'll notice in the single-player demos, they can, they'll walk from one end of the map to another, mm-hmm. but they'll still know all the locations that they can hide behind and things that they can do. Yeah. So it gives the designers a lot of freedom to not focus on, okay, well, I have to pinpoint all these different AIs and where they need to go and where they need to hide and what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But having that mesh come down and defining that mm. mesh and then tweaking it a little bit takes allows them to provide more yeah. uh, freedom in the way that they design the map. Does that mean that each time you load up the game because it's a set of rules rather than a set route for for different people, there's a chance that guards will do something slightly different and oh, in slightly yeah. different I, places. I had a scenario of that at the very start of the demo that we played. Uh, you, know, you go through sort of like a, a rocky area. Um, rather than all of them coming through the same path of the vines, there was three of them, they're walking in a line, and then they actually they fanned out afterwards, yeah, yeah. and they basically had me surrounded in a semicircle at one point, and I was like, right, okay, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> but yeah, it's not just a matter of, this is a line, walk it, they get to a point, and then it looks like they split decisions, and they do go to those separate hotspots that you were mentioning. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I had a situation where, um, in a run and gun mode, just to test the demo, I thought, well, I'll, I'll charge through these guys, I'll get to the next the next bit, and obviously at some point I'm going to outrun them, 
And then you sort of you, you visualise your character slowing down to a jog, you know, right, lovely. Look behind me, they're all still coming. And I was like, okay, right, I need to really go. Well, and that's, and that's yeah. an, an example of that. I've played through that demo like yeah. at least like 200 times or so. But every time I go through it, there's always something different that ends up happening. And yeah. I almost, I, I never get bored of it. Yeah. And that's kind of rare for a single player game where it, eventually you play through two yeah. times and then you're like, okay, I know this guy's here, this yeah. guy's here, this guy's here, and he's going to come out here. So it creates a little bit more of a dynamic and then mm. of course with the more open spaces than we had in Crisis 2 there's more mm. places they can go different areas mm. and different places mm. they can hide out Crytek's CryEngine and with the new iteration as well has become a real success story for, for Crytek Crisis 3 really is superb looking and mm. Crisis 2 even still is a benchmark for PC gamers Martin you said with your PC that <laughs> yeah um, I made a confession the other day that I've never really played the Crisis games. Um, I've just watched friends play them. I've always been, oh, can I borrow your CD to see if it'll actually run on my computer? And that was it. It was literally, if my computer can run Crisis 2, then I know I've got a good enough gaming computer. I mean, granted, I only need to play Minecraft, but it, it was still like, yeah. it was still the thing of, does it play this? It's good to go. What kind of success have you seen in terms of the Crytek engine and in terms of other companies using it? How do you support that as... Uh, development team that's focused so much on Crisis 3. Right, so not to rewind back to the beginning and, you know, when the early brothers took this mm -hmm. engine to E3 and showed it to everybody and, you know, everybody was like, I don't know, this is this is really cool, <laughs> but we don't really know what to make of it. So the first big deal that they, they had signed was with uh, Ubisoft to make Far Cry. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a bit, that was a fair, that was a big success. Um, really not into the licensing part at that point. They didn't really have all that many people working in the company. We still have guys at, at, on Crisis 3 that worked through uh, Far Cry today. Um, so then we moved on to uh, Crisis, Crisis 1, which was the CryEngine 2, which uh, everybody knows that that engine itself uh, was really pushing the top-end limits of PCs. And, you know, what people thought they had, oh, I definitely have the machine. It was like... <laughs> I definitely have the machine to run it, and then they got it, and they tried it, and they were like, oh, that didn't quite work out. <laughs> um, but that was a huge success for us in, in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the maps were huge. They were, they were very open. Um, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of those maps were very devoid of a lot of, stuff, of, a lot of action sequences and things like that. So um, in furthering the engine, I mean, there still wasn't a lot of games that were licensed for that engine specifically. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think there was an MMO like Aeon or something, I believe it was Aeon, I can't remember if that was CryEngine 1 or, or 2 at that point. Uh, so then we move on to the CryEngine 3, the CryEngine 3 for Crisis, Crisis 2. Uh, the big challenges that they had with that was taking the engine and going, okay, we need to make this work on consoles so we can open that market up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not exactly a title you want to have for being the most pirated game on the market <laughs> and being only focused on PC. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, you know, we really wanted to expand out not only for ourselves but for the engine itself mm -hmm. to uh, to provide console users a similar experience. Mm -hmm. But in the during the process and in, in talking to the guys a lot about the process during Crisis Two, there was a lot of technical roadblocks that they ended up hitting along the way, uh, which um, unfortunately caused some of the designs to get halted and not be worked on as long as they probably should have. But in doing so. Um, Crisis 2 was still a very much loved game by Stum and some others were like, well, I wanted more like Crisis 1. But it was a, it was a, different, it was a, it was a different experience and something we also we wanted to try and, and, of course, getting it in on consoles. 
and that has done extremely well for us. Um, in terms of our licensees, anything from architectural firms to uh, schools to universities to gaming companies, all of these different things are, are starting to play into the engine itself. So we're starting to ramp up. I think it's, I, I hope I'm right on this. We have some, like, somewhere you know, over 50 plus licensees at this point now. Uh, but of course, structuring a support mechanism for supporting the engine properly is uh, is something that is a is a continual process that we need to grow out, and of course we're now with the CryEngine, what we would what we sort of call internally the CryEngine three plus because we've done such a large amount of work on it, but now in Crisis three we have the ability we're 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 basically making the game in tandem. It's no porting over. It's no one to the other. It's all being done in the in the in at the same time and simultaneously. But what we're able to do on PC now, which we weren't able to do on Crisis Two, is really take the PC and push it that much further. Mm. Mm. So you say about fifty licenses licensees at the moment. Does that mean that there's potentially there's fifty games being built? At the moment, with not necessarily games, but you know, in all sorts of field, in all sorts of fields. So moving past that, we we have so we have our free SDK, which is the sandbox editor that anybody can go in and download and play around with and, and see what they can create. And we've seen some amazing stuff come out of it over the over the last few years from uh, from various websites, including our. And I, I guess if you're a hobbyist and that's a and you're looking to get into the games industry, then that is a, one of the ways to do it. If you can show off your skills in an engine that's that's freely available and you can get people to see your stuff. Well, then. absolutely. I mean, we've had a ton of people, you know, go in and create these awesome things and we're like, oh my God, this guy's done some awesome stuff. We need to hire him. And there's there's quite a few guys that we've ended up bringing in because they've done such amazing work using the engine and have a really great core understanding of it. But having that SDK out there for the public to use, I mean, that really takes, a, a really expands our talent base of where we could potentially find people. Um, so that's that's really where we're at with that. And, and I think that's a powerful um, <coughs> and unique opportunity in, in this type of business in, in getting access to that level of power for free. You know, it's really, there really isn't a limit on people in terms of what they can experiment with and stuff they can try out and build their portfolio. You know, it's not like they've got a cut down kind of junior tool, this is the real deal. And it's, um, you know, you don't get that in other industries. You don't get an aircraft to play with if you're an aircraft engineer. So it's a unique opportunity. You were talking about how there's somewhere in the region about 50 licensees and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yesterday I actually spoke with a company called Infernum and they're using the CryEngine 3. And I noticed that they've got it working in browser. They've got it working on Facebook. Do many of the people that uh, have come through so far Playing stuff, uh, creating things for in browser, or uh, I'm not familiar with this project, <laughs> oh, okay. but that's okay. That's, yeah. There's, yeah. there's so many things going on at Crytek that you know I you don't even, I don't even them, know yeah. what the, I yeah. don't even know what they're going on. Things that I can, things that I can't. Um, well, we put out we put out a game uh, for iOS called Fibble. Mm -hmm. oh, it doesn't uh, have Cry in the name. That's quite what's different. That? Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It does not. Uh, well, neither does Warface though. Oh, okay. Uh, but we we put out a game. We put out an iOS game called Fibble. So we've moved into looking at the looking at the mobile market and, and what we can do there. And we've been continually expanding on that. And we'll we'll probably have a few more things coming out. Uh, you know, relatively soon, maybe in the next year or so. I've seen some some various things that look awesome. Yeah. Uh, based on that. So and with the, with the power of tablets now, I mean, you have such an immense amount of power off of these and the iPhones and the Android devices. That uh, you know, we'd be silly not to mm. get bring our engine into that market. And, and I think it's interesting. You notice a trend over time in the in the sort of community that 
people used to say, well, okay, I like this series of games or that series of games, but people are becoming gently more educated and they'll say, oh, that's a, that's a game powered by Crytek Engine or that's a game powered by Frostbite 2 or people are becoming a lot more educated about the importance of a really good engine and there's not that many players out there, you know, and this is, this is a major one and so if you see that in a game you think, well, that's going to be a, a really strong visual experience and going to have good mechanics and stuff in it, so. I think there was something when, when we look back at Crisis as well and I mean really putting itself in the market as this benchmark mm -hmm. and then going, okay, well, it runs on consoles now. Okay, well, you know, we want to expand that further. And so mm -hmm. what we've been able to do with the current iteration of the engine is so not pigeonhole people to go, oh, you need the best mm -hmm. hardware that's possibly out on the market. You're going to have to spend thousands of dollars mm -hmm. on video cards. That's not that's not the case. We're not at a point where, like, all the all the games out there, depending on what they're doing, depending on the the types of things that they're using in the engine, um, you know, it's going to vary greatly. And we're not at a point yet where we've really determined, okay, what are the min specs level and how hard can you push this? Um, the one thing I can say is that players that are and players that do want to take their hardware and push that to the max, they're going to be able to do that and utilize fully uh, what. Uh, top-end hardware and all the features that will be available at that time because we've seen in the past with with hardware coming out and going yeah you can do this and this and this and it, it runs on this and like for, for a long time I mean between direct DX 10 and DX 11 I mean there was a long gap where it was like this is DX 10 ready but it what it really wasn't mm -hmm. I mean and DX 11 has really become the benchmark and we've actually I mean when you talk to the CryEngine guys they've invented like their own anti-aliasing modes and things like this and I had to go and look this stuff up and go wow what is this stuff so I mean it's just it's just crazy things like that and I mean you've seen the tech video that we put out of course with our top secret uh, tessellated toad tech as amongst other things that was a great that was just a great little yeah. thing to show off tessellation and what you can what you can do to it to really texturize something uh, without going to uh, to crazy extremes to bog stuff down um, but that that tech trailer showed off a lot of the a lot of the different things that you're mm. that people can do in the engine mm. um, and that you can enable. So part of Crytek and the CryEngine in the press is in terms of well, looking at Crisis Three coming up. There was, um, and I'm not sure if it was a quote from you, I can't quite remember, but um, someone from the Crisis team came out and said that Crisis Three is going to be the best looking game on any console. Have you made comments like that? Was I that you? I don't think that was me. <laughs> um, although, if you had a chance to check out the 360 version, I had a lot of people, even we had it in the back room at uh, set up at, at, uh, at Gamescom in our, in our business area. And people were coming out there like, wow, is this on Xbox? Because mm. there were certain things on there. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to push Xboxes as hard as we can push them. I mean, as limiting as it can be, given how old the hardware, uh, given how old the hardware mm -hmm. is and, and where everything's at, we're still able, it's, it's almost like squeezing water out of a stone, but we're still going to get as much as we can. And I think it still looks really good as far as, as far as the Xbox goes. But again, coming back to PC, we have all this extra hardware that's right up on top and we need to, we need to find ways to help push that forward. That's Crisis 3. And if you're excited as we are, then you'll be counting down the days until February 2013 where you can get it on Xbox, PlayStation 3 and Windows. Very slick, Tom. It's competition time now on the Action Ears podcast. And Dan is here, he's been sitting in the corner on his iPad prepping the words for this competition. Okay, so we've got a couple of um, competitions, um, or one competition that's something you can get, and get involved in. We've partnered with SteelSeries, 
in the UK to give away two of their latest Flux gaming headsets. And that's not all. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you also have the chance to win a copy of um, the game on launch on PC, Xbox 360, PS3, and also Vita. So if you want to get involved and enter, all you have to do is email your full name and address to EA Games Mailbox at ea.com and write the subject line NFS MW Gamescom 2012 and um, good luck. Results will be posted by 21st of August 2012. So quite a few days later. And remember, if and when you do win that, which you should, which you, you know, you can hope you will, uh, please don't harass people waiting for a race. It, it's just not gentlemanly. <laughs> I'm not going to go on about it. We'll just leave it there. And if you want to read the terms and conditions, which not many people ever do, go over to uh, neeforspeed.com forward slash en underscore uk forward slash news forward slash blog and you'll find the competition there as well. That was a very fast URL there. Yeah. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, it will be in the description. Don't panic. <laughs> we'll bitly it. We'll bitly it. Yeah. Tom, Tom will make it really, really slow. So, <laughs> so you'll get Barry White reading out the URL. Yeah. This has been the Actioneers podcast on our final day before our wrap-up podcast tomorrow. All that's left to say is thank you very much to the team, and I apparently have to say thank you to myself. I've been Tom Wallace. I want to thank you as well, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Richard. Thank you, Tom. I've been Martin. <laughs> I've been Ryan, and I'm not thanking you. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone, especially for the um, invention that is Muffuccino. Of course, Muffuccino.com. <laughs> Link I was just going to drop an advert at the end of this. <laughs> a full-blown <laughs> advert for Muffuccino.com. <laughs> Oh no, I stole the thunder. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been Dan. And thank you very much to Mike, Mike Reed from Crisis 3 for coming along. Thank you very much for coming out. Thank you. So tune in tomorrow for our wrap-up podcast of the entire show. And we'll look sponsored at... Sponsored by Moffacino. Sponsored by Moffacino.com. And we'll be looking at everyone's particular highlights of the show. Moffacino.com